Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to the Daily Tribe Golden Nugget where we have one goal and that is to inspire you to succeed every single day. I'm so excited to be joined by Amira Zaki today. She is a sex educator, a vaginismus coach and promotes body positivity and holistic well-being and she's creating so much free content across her socials so definitely go and check her out. We'll let you know where you can find her at the end of this podcast. From her own experience of vaginismus, She's been able to help so many women and couples overcome this problem and have a happy and healthy sex life. Thank you so much for joining me today, Amira. Thank you so much for having me, Adia. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited today to be joining you. And inshallah, I hope that this podcast is beneficial for everyone listening. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure it will be. I've already got so much feedback from the ladies on the app saying how, you know, their, their friends have experienced vaginismus. Um, and I think, you know, it's something that we can potentially all relate to in some form. Um, so obviously, you know, like as Muslims, we don't often speak about sex. And I'm sort of like the one known within my friendship groups as the one to go to, to like just tell, you know, people tell me their concerns or tell me, you know, something that they're going through. And I'll either direct them in the right direction or just, you know, from my own experience, well, I just give them my advice. But um, we equally, just like everyone else on this planet, need that education, need that advice and solutions to problems like everybody else. So why do you think um, we have slightly more difficulty um, within the Muslim community? Or do you feel like things are changing now so we don't need to dwell on it anymore? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a combination of both of those two things that you just said. I think a lot of Muslims do find it difficult to talk about sex. And again, there are varying reasons for that, which we can get into in a moment. Um, But at the same time, I do think that it is getting better. There are, you know, quite a few people now using their platforms to talk about sex and body positivity, um, to provide sex education and to inform Muslims and the general public about sexual health, which I think is so important. I don't think it's an issue that affects just Muslims. I think it's widespread among different religions and different cultures. But I do think that it's there are some unique situations within the Muslim community when it comes to talking about sex. I think it does come from, you know, there is this kind of narrative, I think, within certain Muslim households where sex is kind of this taboo topic. And usually the reason is because I think Muslim parents believe obviously that sex should be something that is saved for marriage and so they see it as something that you should only talk about once you are married they don't see it as something that needs to be talked about before because a lot of Muslims believe that sex outside of marriage is a very big sin and so when you start thinking about it in that way it can produce feelings of fear and especially if you're a parent and you're raising children, you have that fear for your children where you feel like if I talk about sex too much and they know about sex, a lot of parents have this. To. Yeah, exactly. A lot of parents have this fear that they're going to want to experiment with sex and may potentially want to have sex outside of marriage. I also think it's, you know, especially if you're a Muslim growing up in perhaps a Western country, but even not so, it could even be that you're a Muslim growing up in a predominantly Muslim country. I think that what we see now in the media and movies and music videos and that there's like easy access to things like porn now. I think a lot of parents are aware of that. They're aware of what their kids may be exposed to. And so they maybe feel like they need to counterbalance that Mm. by, you know, not talking about sex at all, because they feel like if I'm talking about sex at home and then they see it in the movies, it means that sex is okay to do because it's it's everywhere. That's maybe their kind of Mm. um, idea of, of, you know, talking about sex. So they just decide that I'm not going to talk about it at all in the hopes that if I don't 
don't talk about it. My kids are not going to think about it that much and then they're not going to want to do it. And you can kind of understand where that comes from. Usually parents in that situation, when they make that decision to not talk about sex, are usually doing it with good intentions. They're not doing it to kind of ruin their kids or anything like that. Mm. They're doing it with a good intention on the whole. Yes, obviously there are differences within the families, but on the whole, that's where it comes from. Unfortunately, unfortunately, what we're seeing is that when parents decide to keep sex taboo or hush hush and don't really talk about it, they forget that, you know, as you become kind of like a teenager and you're exposed to sex for the first time and you understand what sex involves, naturally, um, you're going to have questions about it, right? And if those questions are not answered by, you know, are not answered in the home by parents, kids that age, teenagers that age are going to go and seek for information. And now with easy access to the internet, sometimes we get sources and pieces of information that aren't fully accurate um, or because we live in quite a kind of hyper-sexualized society now, um, there are going to be images and clips that these children see that are not fully in alignment with our faith and our spirituality and 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 so some kids will grow up thinking that this is normal I can do this this is acceptable and some kids will feel like okay it's not talked about in the home maybe this act of sex is shameful and so even if a, a teenager and a young adult manages to remain chaste and then they get married because they didn't really have the full spectrum of sex education growing up the first time they're exposed to sex and they get married it can it can prove to be quite a difficult situation where there are feelings of shame there are um, moments of ignorance not really knowing what's meant to happen where things are meant to go that sort of thing Um, but also equally when there's like a lack of sex education it can lead to serious problems within a married couple's sex life Mm -hmm. so this is something I personally experienced I was a Muslim growing up, you know, had this background where my parents didn't really talk about it for those good intention reasons. They didn't Mm. want me to have sex outside of marriage. And alhamdulillah, I managed to remain chaste and, you know, I didn't have sex before marriage. But when I did get married, because I had a lack of sex education, and on top of that, I heard these negative stories about sex, such as first time sex is really painful, or there's going to be so much blood, or your hymen has to break. All of these were kind of myths I heard growing up, but I didn't know they were myths because I didn't have the sex education to counter those myths. So I went into a marriage and tried to have sex for the first time, and it was excruciatingly painful. And so I thought, oh, those myths are true. Everyone told me it's going to be painful. And it was so painful that I actually couldn't have sex, meaning my husband's penis couldn't actually enter my vagina. It felt like a brick wall. It literally felt like there was a barrier. And I I started to think, okay, there's this barrier. Is this the hymen? That must mean the hymen is like this really thick, rigid thing that is going to physically have to break. Those were the thoughts going through my head. And I just thought that, oh, I must be really weak. Why can all these other women tolerate the pain, but I can't? And so we weren't able to have sex the first time. We tried again multiple times. The same thing happened. In fact, it just kind of got worse. And I started to feel like I was the only woman in the world that couldn't have sex. And I felt like, you know, I had saved myself for, I I had remained chaste. I didn't have sex before marriage. And then I got married hoping that I would be able to have sex, but I couldn't. And so I felt a little bit like a weirdo. I felt very Mm -hmm. alone, felt very, very alone, very lonely. My husband didn't understand what was going Mm. on either. And we kept on trying and the same thing kept happening. And eventually we kind of just gave up because we thought we're never going to overcome this. How are we going to overcome this? Mm. I think like, um, in, in terms of like, 
you know, actually how you dealt with vaginismus, we can get onto that in a moment. Like now, after going through that experience, um, if you were obviously like women, we're not maybe speaking about sex before we get married. It's something that you sort of start talking about once you've got married. But, you know, from one day to the next, you're expected to, you know, um, sort of like delve into everything. I mean, I remember like, you know, you sign the contract and now everything's halal. Like, you know, just go for it kind of thing. Um, yeah. What kind of advice would you give to a woman or a man, um, you know, before they before they get married, um, you know, if they are feeling nervous or they're worried about this wedding night? And I think also this wedding night culture that we have can actually be sometimes quite damaging. I'm sure you agree. Yeah. Um, like what kind of advice would you give to these, especially younger couples? But I mean, couples in general. Yeah. First thing I would say is if you're currently not in that phase where you're getting to know someone and you're and you're single right now and you know that you may potentially meet someone in the future. What I would say is start right now by educating yourself, like making a proactive approach to set your own sex education. Just because you didn't have proper sex education from your parents or from school doesn't mean you can't educate yourself. There are so many things that we can educate ourselves on. And sex should definitely be high on that list because everyone thinks about sex and everyone is probably going to want to have sex when they get married. So educate yourself from now beforehand. So taking that proactive approach is very important. And there are multiple ways you can do that. You can follow, you know, people on social media that talk about this. Uh, There are certain books that you can read. You can even get books like a lot of the sex education books out there are written by non-Muslims, but there's nothing wrong with you reading Mm -hmm. those books. Um, You might even want to get books that are kind of aimed at Christians. If you want something that is more in alignment with your own faith and spirituality, even if you're a Muslim. Um, there are there are a few um, Muslim sex education books as well that you can use and inform yourself about sex. I would say whether you're a man or a woman, I would say get to know your own sexual anatomy. I would say more so if you're a woman. And the reason why is because, as you can imagine, the female sexual anatomy is a bit more covered it's a bit harder to see everything with a man you can kind of just look down there and see it with a woman you kind of might need to use a mirror to look at yourself properly to look at your vulva um look identify where the opening of your vagina is that's really important before you get married because (laughs) because I remember I had never looked at myself down there and so when I did try and have sex for the first time, I didn't even know where my vagina was. My husband didn't know where, where it was either. And so it was that trying to figure it out. Whereas if you know where it is beforehand, then you're like you're already steps ahead. So I educate yourself about your sexual anatomy. Take a proactive approach to your own sex education. Um, in terms of what a woman can do to kind of prepare for the wedding night, and I agree, it is this language thing where wedding mm. night is expecting that sex should happen on that night of the wedding. It doesn't have to happen. Exhausted. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So whenever you choose to have sex for the first time when you get married, um, that can be your wedding night. It might be the actual night, but it might be weeks later, months later, whenever. Um, but before you do attempt sex for the first time, What I recommend to women is to educate yourselves about your pelvic floor muscles. Know what they feel like in your body when they are contracted and when they are relaxed. This is so important for sexual health because when something is trying to penetrate the vagina for the first time, whether it's, you know, something like a tampon when a woman's on her period or whether it's a penis during sexual intercourse, 
a woman really needs to know how to get the pelvic floor muscles to be relaxed. There are certain exercises that you can do. They're called reverse Kegel exercises or reverse Kegel exercise, however you pronounce it. You may have heard of Kegels or Kegels. They're kind of like where you contract the pelvic floor muscles to strengthen those muscles. When it comes to sex or something penetrating the vagina, you need to know how to do the reverse, meaning know how to get those muscles to be relaxed. Again, mm. you can go and search this online, learning how to get them to be relaxed makes it a lot easier for something to go in the vagina without any pain. That is so important if you want to have sex for the first time in a pain-free way. So this is something I wish I knew before I got married, um, because what if I had known this, I would have been a lot more confident for my husband's penis to enter my vagina mm. for the first time. So that is a key bit of advice for a woman who's not married. Um, and men, what I would say is learn that, understand that sex doesn't need to happen on the night. I think a lot of men especially kind of expect it to happen yeah. straight away. Be patient, especially for a woman. It is a bit more of an emotional thing having sex for the first time. So be patient, be supportive. Um, and the men, just as much as the women, need to educate themselves about sex as well. That's that's incredible. And I think that we can definitely maybe like mention a couple of places where you would recommend people to go and look for these exercises, what these exercises actually like feel like, because, you know, we often women who have had children, especially will do like these exercises to sort of like um, strengthen the pelvic floor, for example. I don't know if that's something like exactly the same, but to sort of do the reverse um, is equally as important for other aspects mm -hmm. of our lives. I know you mentioned in some of your your content that you actually got some different sort of like apparatus. Is that the yeah, right word? They're, they're called dilators. Yeah, dilators. Vaginal, vaginal dilators or vaginal trainers. Okay, and they really really helped you. Yeah, absolutely. So because I struggled with sex um, when I got married, I wasn't able to have sex for over a year. We kept trying, but it was just so difficult. Mm. I felt, like I said, I felt very, <clears throat> I felt very strange. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, I didn't know that what I was experiencing at the time was a condition known as vaginismus yeah. and this condition is very common in women who struggle with any form of vaginal penetration so if a woman is currently not married and if you have ever tried to insert a tampon and it was really painful or difficult that's an indication that you were, you're struggling with vaginismus mm. so a lot of people think of vaginismus as only meaning difficulty with sex that's one form it literally means because the word is vaginismus so any form of vaginal penetration if it's difficult or painful indicates that it could be due to vaginismus obviously I do recommend that you go and get checked out medically to make sure it's nothing else but if the doctor's kind of giving you the all clear and you have no physical other you know abnormalities or anything in that region then it's an indication that your pelvic floor muscles are contracting subconsciously or automatically so what I mean by that is a lot of the time a woman's not aware that her pelvic floor muscles are contracting because it's quite a subtle contraction mm. and if you're not paying attention to it it can very easily go unnoticed um, but once you learn how to get them to be relaxed, it's easy to put in a tampon or it's easy to practice with those dilators, certain tools that a woman can use to practice um, relaxing the muscles in order to overcome vaginismus so that she can have pain free sex. I know you mentioned like about emotions, you know, our emotions can affect our sex life and for the for the good for the bad you know um yeah. and um i really believe that that, that sex is, is a spiritual um experience as much as it is physical or um you know mental i think it's really important to to understand that our emotions are so important when it comes to sex how do you feel 
after a year you started learning that this was a condition that you were suffering with and there was a solution to it which is amazing how did your emotions change not just your physical body but how did your emotions change towards sex yeah so initially my emotions towards sex were that sex is just this difficult act and it's just painful and so I kind of dreaded sex I didn't look forward to it and it just seemed like an inconvenience to be honest like it just felt like this thing that I kind of had to do to satisfy my husband that's Mm -hmm. the truth that's kind of how I felt about it even though I loved my husband and he loved me we got married out of choice and that kind of thing at the time because sex was so difficult it felt like sex wasn't created for me as a woman it it literally felt like God had created it for the man or that God had created it just for the purposes of procreation. That's how I felt at the time. So it did just felt like something that I wasn't that interested in. Um, later on, after going through the process of overcoming vaginismus, so where I would use the dilators myself, I felt a lot more empowered. I felt like, okay, I can do this. I can relax my pelvic floor muscles. I felt more in control. So I went from kind of dreading sex to now kind of thinking okay I can do this I'm looking forward to it a bit and I I felt a bit more curious about it and then after having overcome vaginismus when my when my husband and I were finally able to have sex and it was pain-free I started to question all of those stories I heard growing up I started to think why did all these women tell me that first time sex is meant to be painful like the words were literally it's meant to be painful or it's gonna hurt those were the words and I started thinking why was everyone telling me that when when I finally had sex with my husband for the true first time, I was like, there's no pain. It's completely comfortable. Why did everyone say it's going to hurt when I'm proof that it doesn't need to hurt? And so after I overcame it, I started trying to dismantle all of those myths I heard growing up and try and understand where did they come from. And then I started to take it further and think, okay, how can we do this in a proactive way, not just to overcome painful sex, but to prevent it in the first place? Mm. So that's the work that I'm also really passionate about doing, especially educating people before they get married, as that's when I think that sex education needs 100%. to happen. Yeah. And not, not just before you get married, not just like the month before you get married. No. It needs to happen from, you know, the age, like even before a child hits puberty, like educating them about that and then continuing sex education pretty much for life. Like I think that sex mm. education doesn't ever need to end, but you can always learn something new. So my emotions then changed from like kind of going from dread to curiosity to looking forward to it. And then wanting to educate myself more about how to experience sexual pleasure from it. And when I understood like how to orgasm, how to really enjoy sex, I looked forward to it. Uh, My desire for sex increased. And I saw that actually, wow, Allah, God created these organs in my body to experience this amazing feeling of sexual pleasure. Like females have a whole organ, the clitoris, that is designed just for pleasure. It doesn't have any other purpose. Mm. Most of our other organs have different purposes, but the clitoris, its only job is to be there to receive pleasure. And so I started to believe that Allah created sex for both women and men to enjoy. And that's also the work that I really enjoy doing is teaching couples where, or, or just teaching anyone, whether married or not, teaching you that sexual pleasure is your right and it's there for you to enjoy um and it's it's from Allah like Allah created it with divine wisdom I think that's really really important you know and I think we can't say it enough you know I think everyone needs to hear that because you know I think women a lot of the time they just um accept that oh 
sex is pain-free great <laughs> you know whereas actually it's so much more than that it doesn't have to just be pain-free it can be pleasurable it, and it should be pleasurable you know I don't think we should just um and it's no one's you know I'm not trying to blame the man at all you know it's not like we should understand our anatomy we should understand how we want to receive pleasure and communicate that to our partner and that was kind of like the next thing I wanted to ask you really is like how do we talk about it Sometimes it can be so hard, especially if you're, you know, recently married and you don't um, know your husband in the in in that in that environment, like, you know, alone, you know, sharing a house in the bedroom. You know, he's never seen you in that way. Like, how do we start these conversations? And um, obviously there's not a rush to like speak about it. But how would you how would you advise women to start speaking to their husbands about sex? Yeah, great question. I would say you need to start with thinking about two things, thinking about your why, why are you going to talk about it, but also thinking about your intention and renewing and um, correcting your intention as to why you want to talk about sex. So what the reason I say this is because when we start to see sex differently and we see that Allah created sex for a reason and that Allah created sex to be a form of worship within a marriage, when we really pay attention to that and are conscious of okay sex is a form of worship just like we pray to please Allah just like we fast to please Allah we do these things for the sake of Allah we don't have to do them but we do them for a certain reason we want to enter Jannah we want to be closer to Allah if we apply that to sex because sex is another form of worship and it's not like a lesser form of worship it's another form of worship mm. like charity for example and actually sex is also a form of charity when you have sex with your spouse so really think about sex with that intention and then think about okay just like any form of worship if you think about praying and your state of prayer right now most of us we always want to improve we want to develop better khushur and concentration learn more quran to improve our prayer we do things to educate ourselves and get better for certain forms of worship Think about doing that same thing, educating yourself and talking about it to get better at it. And in order to get better at sex, it's not just educating yourself by yourself. It's educating yourself together and being able to have a conversation about it because sex is an act that you do together. So in order to get better, you are going to need to have that conversation together. And so realizing that it, you don't need to feel that kind of shyness or any shame about sex because Allah didn't create sex for there to be shame. Yes, we need to kind of have modesty in terms of how we maybe dress and things like that, in terms of how we speak, in terms of how we act. But when it comes to sex with your husband, if both of you are happy doing certain sexual acts together, then there doesn't need to be any shame. And it, the, this act that you do with your husband can only be, or you know, with your spouse, if you're the man, this act that you do can only be done with you two. Other acts we can do together. We can mm -hmm. pray with other people. We can eat with other people. But sex is something that you just do with this one other person. So it's something that is special and sacred. And so you are going to want to talk about it with your, your spouse and realize that it doesn't need to be shameful. You know, your body was created as a gift for you to enjoy, you know, each other's bodies and things like that. So start with your why. Why do you want to talk about sex? It's to improve your relationship with Allah, first and foremost, and to experience 
experience it's literally like a taste of jannah is what i like to say mm. when you experience true sexual pleasure it's as though you're experiencing one of the lowest forms of of jannah and i've read like sources about this where allah wants us to experience a little bit of that while we're here living in the dunya allah wants you to experience that and so that opens you up to seeing allah as this extremely benevolent kind generous god that we know that he is he wants you to experience amazing pleasure so seek that pleasure just as we seek pleasure from Allah. We want to seek that sexual pleasure here on earth. So have open conversations with your spouse. And yes, the first one may be a bit awkward, but I'm sure that sometimes one spouse is waiting for the other spouse to mm. start it. So you, so you be that spouse yeah. who starts it. I think also, you know, um, we, we also need to give things time, you know, like for example, like we will go and study um, Quran and, you know, want to better our salah and, you know, um, find ways of giving charity. Whereas like um, we get on with our day, we're doing our work, our studies, and then, you know, maybe it comes to the evening and you're with your partner. And it's like, that is not potentially the moment where you start educating yourself. Like, and I think that's like, you've, you know, mentioned that today, like it's about you know giving it time giving it a space and a time and um using like parts of your life to actually better yourself in in that way um and I think that's a reminder for all of us you know that there's so many aspects to our lives and we should give them the the, the respect and the time that they deserve um 100 yeah, percent so we have got so much value out of this podcast so far with Amira thank you so much for joining us we will be splitting this podcast into two because we just had so much to talk about. So I hope you got as much value out of this podcast as I did. Remember, we are here to inspire you to succeed every single day. So be sure to tune in daily, whether you're lying in bed, driving in the car or relaxing after your workout. Listen to these amazing women who are making so many changes in the community for the better. Learn from them, be inspired, make those connections and build momentum to succeed in everything that you do. Most of all, have fun whilst you're doing it. And I will see you in part two of this podcast where we'll be speaking about sex tips and tricks. Speak to you soon.